This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Obviously. Yes, I have. So you, and you've had good success with it? Yes, I have. Really? Uh, the, these, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what, I, I really don't know what's going on, uh, there's a, a gentleman in our group from the Hill that has these things, and his are growing like crazy, and he's having real good luck. And I, I don't know if it's just the way I planted them uh, this year, if I'm uh, retaining too much moisture, because I put rings around and put the plant actually inside the ring so my lawn guy doesn't chop them down <laughs> like he normally has in the past. Right. So I don't know if I'm retaining too much water, if I should water less, if it's a water issue at all. I, I'm kind of at a loss. Well, usually water is going to impact not just the flowering aspect. It's going to impact the entire root system. So that means the foliage and everything looks dysfunctional. So does your foliage look good? It, it has been looking real good up until this little cool snap. And it's... Uh, it, it, you know, it uh, it started looking a little bit, uh, eh, a little bit not so good. Right. But now it started to pick up as as it started to warm a little bit, because these things, I, what I understand, they love the hot. Now I've got some smaller ones that are beautiful foliage. I mean, the leaves, everything is beautiful. The the bigger ones seem to have uh, kind of lost their color a little bit. Just mm. kind of. The shine, the sheen on the leaves, kind of dulled a little bit. So I don't, I don't know what, what's going on. I do have some fruit that is maturing, but not at, uh, you know, not as many. I mean, I've lost five times as many as I, as I, as I've been able to harvest. Right. The only thing yeah. I can think of is this year, regardless, even if you have a, a nearby neighbor or whatever there on the hill. That uh, has great success. It's just you know your yard is a little bit different this year. You've had success right, previously, right. and so there's not too much you can do. I mean, it's not going to be a matter of. That's why I ask you if you'd had success previously, so you know how yes. to do it and everything else. So this year is just goofy, whatever. Right. I didn't put any in last year. It just got away from me, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if I need to do something with the soil. Maybe a soil sample and try to 
uh, add some add some nutrients to the soil. I, yeah, I you don't could know. do that. And what you could do is, if you've been fertilizing with the same kind of fertilizer consistently, you may have high levels of phosphorus and potassium. Also, uh, I was going to. Where do you get the seed? Actually, I got them from a friend. Uh, he dried a gourd, uh, you know, one of the, he had a real big one. Right. And he dried it, and I've been using those seeds for the last several years. Well, maybe the and, seeds uh, have become dysfunctional as well. So hmm. if you can find it, you know, get some newer yeah. seeds. See, you know, will go yeah. downhill. It doesn't, you know, continue to let, you know. Right, right, yeah. Now, they, we got a lot of germination. I mean, we got a lot right. of plants out of the seeds, Um I guess maybe they just weren't healthy enough to grow a good plant. Yeah, it's you know it's so, hard to well, say, but it, I think it you know it it's got to be a combination of you know something beyond your control. But I would definitely get a soil test done. Okay, thank you. Yep. Good luck with that, and uh, let's go to Springfield and Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. All right, I'm calling on behalf of my sister who lives on Long Island in New York. She has some grass <clears throat> that just it's. It's too hot, and it dies. And so she's looking for a ground cover that she can replace some of the grass, and so it would look decent. So, what? I mean, is it sun, shade? Is it sandy it's soil? Sun. It's all sun, all day. Uh, and so, I mean, there's several different varieties of sedums, S-E-D-U-M, if she yeah. wants to think about doing something like that. Or she could do something like liriope. L-I-R-I-O-P-E, that's monkey grass, liriope spicata. So sedum or liriope would be something, you know, that could do pretty well. Just have her take a look online and see what she, you know, what she thinks. But with okay. the sedums, there's all kinds of different ones, and uh, some of them have very colorful foliage. Some of them are evergreen, you know, as far as staying, you know, staying persistent. But once they're established, they take virtually no care. No care. Oh, that's what she wants. Okay. All right. <laughs> Liriope. Right. Thanks a lot, Mike. I enjoy the show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's see if we can get uh, head down to Arnold from Springfield and go into Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. We have about a 30-foot-tall river birch in our backyard, and it has been uh, become infested with caterpillars. And caterpillar droppings are falling like rain all over our patio. And uh, probably the bottom, I'm going to say, maybe five feet, the leaves are all chewed up and the branches are pretty bare. Um, My question is, is this tree going to make it? And secondly, if uh, they're dropping this larva into the ground, can we expect the same thing to happen next year? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's you know that's one of the problems with some of the various you know insect circumstances is they infest an area and then they consistently come back and back and back and back. So I would say yeah, just watch out okay. for it. Well, I think we're think considering just taking the tree out. Oh is really? A, yeah. I mean because you can't. I don't know how to treat these things. You know, once they get on the on the. Uh, leaves and branches what do you do about it well you yourself a 30-foot tree you can't do anything but having a tree service come out and see what they may recommend there's injection type things there's sprays so it just depends upon the approach you want to take but there's not too much a homeowner can do with a 30-foot tree 
Okay. So if we had a service come out and, and take care of it, would that maybe eliminate the problem from then on? Or are we going to maybe always have this problem with this tree? It's a mess. It's, uh, you know, it just depends upon what actually, you know, the caterpillar is. And so consequently, um, they may say it's going to take a couple years of applications of spray or whatever to get this under control so you can finally kill everything so you don't have the ground inoculated with, you know, next year's insect problem. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> we have a decision to make. Right. Thanks very much, Mike. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Yes, folks, if you're planning on doing some new installations, whole new garden or individual plants, this is the time when you should start working on the soil or the area that you're going to be planting because September is the ideal time to do plant installation. Why? Because the ground is warm. Warm soil encourages root system growth, and that's what's really needed for hardiness, especially on new installations. Then the best thing, too, or another really good factor is wintertime. So then the plants get their root systems going, spreading out and everything else, and then they get to go to sleep for winter. That's the advantage of fall planting versus spring planting because the ground is cold in the spring, and then the plant material, the new plant material, has to face, guess what, summertime. Summertime blues, summertime new, bad times. Anyway, let's go over to Jerry's yard, and Jerry lives in Webster. Hi, Jerry. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have two questions, please. Uh, the first one is about peony plants. Uh, I heard that I have two of them, and the, the one is very new, and it didn't blossom yet. But the other one is is an older plant and had some beautiful blossoms. I had about a dozen of them on there, and of course they're all gone now. Right now, somebody said you can cut the plant back and it'll bloom again. Is that possible? No, that's what I figured. <laughs> Whoever told you that is I don't want to say full of it, but they're full of it. Okay. <laughs> Second question: uh, I recently had some uh, landscaping done, and they put down uh, when it was all done. They put down mulch on top. It's this dark mulch. Uh, I guess it's wood shavings. And my daughter had a uh, termite guy come over to her house for a problem she's having. And he said, you should get rid of all that mulch because it's a breeding ground for ants and termites. What do you know about that, my friend? I mean, that's, that's potentially a problem, but it's only like if it's fresh wood chips and things like that. Mulch that has been properly composted and, you know, done correctly before it was put down is not really all that attractive to any more insects than, like, crickets, termites, or anything else. So, or, you know, ants. Ants are going to be any place, anywhere, anytime. So it doesn't matter. I have rock mulch around my house. I have a four-foot barrier that mimics the outline of my house. I have ants in the rocks. So, I mean, the ant thing and the termites, if it's, you know, let's say if it's fresh wood chippings or something like that, it can be attractive to termites. But for the most part, if it's mulch that's been bought from a company that does knows how to do mulch and before they sell it, then it shouldn't be problematic. Uh, do you have any recommendations on co- on a company for the right kind of mulch? Uh, gifts, you know, St. Louis composting. St. Louis composting. Right. Okay, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate your information. Certainly. My pleasure. 
yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a question of I actually had a, a call from, um, all right, let's see. I think it was a call or it was an email. Oh, it was a call. And the guy, you know, got some mulch from, I, you know, finally I talked to him. I said, well, where did you get the mulch? And it was just from somebody that was a landscaper. And he just had this sort of, you know, kind of mulch chipping stuff. And he's got some very strange fungus growing on it. So you got to be careful where you're getting things. Just because something's organic, in other words, it came from live material, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Whether you're making a compost pile or whether you're using a product as a mulch on the ground. So just be careful and cautious. Let's go now out to St. Charles and into Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi there, Mike. Hi. Glad to talk to you. Um, my clematis are looking very tacky right now. Can I cut them down to improve how they look? <laughs> tacky meaning what? Oh, they're all dried and brown and look ugly. Ooh. So. They're not green, you know, like they, they were in the spring. So wonder, did you not water during a dry spell or something? No. Yeah, I kept watering. I've been watering. Okay, well maybe, you know, just watch have you how old is the clematis? Let me put it this way too. Oh, very probably pretty old. Pretty okay. old. And you've had great success with it through the entire well, growing well, I think I think this happens probably every uh fall or it's happened before. Really? Well I you know, if you've cut it back, you know, I would say go ahead and do that. It's unfortunate because, uh, you know, the clematis, even once they finish flowering, should the foliage should stay pretty good all the way at least until we get into September or so. Uh, okay. And then and another question. Uh, I planted some morning glory vines. They looked very good all summer. Uh, early in the spring, and this one comment, early in the spring you suggested that a very good hanging basket is begonias with wandering Jew. And you were spot on right now. They are the stars of my garden. Well, great. That's perfect. You know, and the thing about morning glories, too, and the moonflower, it's cousin. Uh, you plant them, and then you got to wait any place between 60 and 90 days before you get any flowers on them. Yeah, they haven't bloomed, but, but I like the green leaves kind of filling in on, on my trellises. All right. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Enjoy. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open as we head towards Fenton and go into Vince's yard. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot today, Mike. Uh, I heard you talking to a gentleman about his fescue lawn, which I also have. Mm -hmm. Told him to plant, uh, plan on aerating and overseeding pretty much every year. Uh, but I've also heard you say to put down pre-emergent around this time of year, and I'd like to try to get what your timing is for those two things if I were to do that every year. If you, you're putting a pre-emergent down because you have a history of weeds there and you got the existing weeds. So that's, you know, that's basically what you're – if you don't have a really history of problematic weeds, you know, annual-type weeds, then you don't need to put the pre-emergent down. Oh, okay. I, I I misunderstood you. I understood you. I could expect to get those leaves, those weeds. No, I'm not necessarily. It it's just, you know, if you have a history of the cool season weeds, which are the weeds that germinate this time of year, 
or not this time of year, but a little bit later in this month, then that's when you want to be, put the pre-emergent down as you know, taking care of it. And the weeds that are going to be germinating later on this month and then the cool season annual weeds, and that's basically the henbit, the common chickweed, the annual bluegrass, the rabbit's foot clover, the Persian speedwell, and things along that line. If you don't have a history of those kind of things in your lawn, then there's no reason to put a pre-emergent down. But if you do put a pre-emergent down, then you're going to have to wait about 30-plus days, but read the, read the label on the pre-emergent you're putting down to see how long you have to wait to put seed down. But generally, yeah. it's uh, you know going to be 30 days. Yeah, see, that's why it's concerned. Well, I've never really been bothered too much by the weeds, the, the winter weeds. Normally, I see the spring weeds. Right. <laughs> but the winter weeds don't seem to bother me. Huh. Also, you uh, mentioned last week that you were having problems with some crabgrass. Right. Do you do, do you do anything about that? Do you spray anything on it or you just let it go? No, I dig it. I hand dig it. I have a dandelion digger, and I just go out there and, you know, uh, poof, pop them up out of the ground. Well, I've done that in the past, but I end up with nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, mine is, the crabgrass is not quite that thick. So mine's oh, in okay. zoysia. And the thing with the crabgrass is when it's, you know, it's just now starting to send out some, uh, you know, flower spikes. So I got to get, you know, I go out there and I spend probably any place between an hour, an hour and a half, twice a week, you know, just looking very closely because it can kind of hover down close to the ground and not be a big clump like, you know, as it gets more mature. Yeah, yeah, I can get away from you pretty quick. Right. Uh, Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Mike. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, I do the hand digging because I just, you know, I don't mind kind of like working in the yard, so that's just one of the, you know, one of the things I actually do. I could certainly put a pre-emergent down, you know, for the crabgrass. You would be putting it down in the springtime when the forsythia is in bloom. But uh, right now, you got to watch out for those warm season annual weeds because basically they're all starting to drop and set seeds. So those include spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, black medic, carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass. So those are the annual Warm season weeds. So those are the ones that germinate basically in the springtime. That's when you put the pre-emergent down. So anyway, two major types of annual weeds. And let's see if we can get another call in before we go to break. Let's go to Donna, and she lives in South County. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have three questions for you. Um, I recently bought a wooden above-ground planter that I want to plant my vegetables in uh, next year. But before I put the soil into it, um, I was wanting to know, should I put some kind of a liner in there to keep the, I'm trying to preserve the wood as much as I can, if if possible. I don't want it to rot. And I was wanting to know, is there some kind of like plastic or maybe a pond liner I should use? I I just don't want to use anything that would um, leach into the soil. Yeah, I would not do that. Hopefully, you, did you buy wood or did you buy composite? It's wood. So it's wood. It's wood. Then, I, you know, basically, and hopefully it was wood that, you know, can be used for what your your intention is. But yeah. I wouldn't, you know, try to line it or do anything. Not, that's not going to really help. And it could be problematic as far as moisture retention and things along that line. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Um, my other question is, um, 
I had a beautiful little tulip patch uh, that was invaded by my good old Bermuda grass, and uh, I can't seem to keep up with it any longer. So I would like to take the tulips out of the ground and put them in above-ground containers. So I was just curious, uh, what type of container would you recommend? Because I, I want them to withstand the winter, you know, if anything, if they would freeze. Do you have any kind of container uh, material that I should stay away from? or Not necessarily. I mean, uh, just make sure that it's large enough diameter-wise that there's going to be an inch or two between where the tulip bulbs are going to be planted in potting mix, not potting soil. Okay. And uh, that way that will act as an insulator. But I've been growing tulips in pots for decades. So you know, the pots I grow them in are generally about 18 inches, and I have a couple that are 24 inches. Do you use the resin-type pot? Uh, these are kind of pl- – I have one, uh, one or two terracotta, you know, old-time-type pots, and then uh-huh. the ones uh, kind of a plastic, you know, kind of foam rubber-type stuff. Oh, okay. And one last question. I finally got a beautiful crop of blackberries this year. Uh, it, it took about five years before this bush finally produced anything right. worthy. Anyway, um, I have pruned it back in the past, but the leaders on this thing, they do get long, but I'm wondering, am I hurting the plant? How much should I prune it back when I do prune it back? Basically, the, you know, the canes don't prune as far as just because of the size of them. Just get rid of the older canes because the older canes are going to be the ones that begin to not produce any fruits. Mm-hmm. So well, right now i got two large uh, leaves of branches coming out that don't have fruit on them. Should I cut those? No. Uh, well, no? you know, if look at them, look at the diameter of the cane, and if they look like they're the biggest, that means they're the oldest. So, yes, get rid of them. Okay. All right. Okay. I thank you, sir. Sure. And, yeah, growing tulips or daffodils in pots is not really all that difficult. So, anyway, Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. We're heading to South City, and we're going over to Cindy's yard. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Okay, i um sort of related to the last caller. I bought... Um, some calla lily bulbs and also a few caladium bulbs that were on half price sale. I was wondering, can I just put those in like some sphagnum peat moss and kind of hold them dormant now until they until they you know bloom or come up in the spring? Uh, I wouldn't put them just in sphagnum peat moss. I'd use a you know potting mix type thing. Okay. Yep. Yeah, just peat moss in and of itself is not the, a good thing to try to. Let's say hold them or to grow them or to do anything. Okay. But they won't, they'll be able to stay dormant through the winter now? They should be able to, yes. Okay, great. Now, did you look at the roots and everything? Um, no, I really didn't expect the bag too, too closely. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they're okay. Well, I bought them from the botanical garden. Oh, so okay. And they, they would only sell things. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Thanks, Cindy. And now let's head to Godfrey, Illinois, into Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. Hi there. Hey, I got a question, a garden question, actually, and more specifically, zucchini. 
Um, what causes a, uh, for all intents and purposes, a healthy zucchini plant, um, they're, they've set on, they look good, and then just like that, uh, the leaf dies back and the stalk, the stalk part looks like it's been ate by something, but you never see what it is that, that ate the stalk part. What <laughs> caused that and what can be done for it to save the plant? Basically, if you think it's an insect that's doing it, check early in the morning and always check on the underside of the leaves. Okay. So that's the best, you know, you got to do it early. If you go out there just in midday, the insects that do the major types of damage to most plant material, uh, they, you know, they hide out during the heat of the day. So they're out there doing the damage early on. Gotcha. Okay. Never did see anything on there. That's why it's such a mystery as to what, what caused it. Um, is there a preventative that can be put on straight away, anything other than seven, or is that just a normal protocol for that? Uh, insecticides basically do not do anything effective unless they hit the insect directly. So Got just it. to spray, you know, an insecticide for the sake of spraying is not going to help at all. Okay. Okay. All and right. Probably, and if you wanted, you know, the safest thing would probably be Start looking on the underside leaf, look along the stems and everything else, and use an insecticidal soap. That's going to be probably the most organic, safest you know, chemical you can use to kill the insect. But again, that has hit the insect as well. Okay. And uh, as far as an insecticidal soap, can you recommend one? Uh, just, I would go to your favorite garden center, and if, you know, it, there's several different companies that make it. They're pretty much you know, the same for the most part. Your time. Great. Thank you. And I think that's going to be the last call for the hour. But again, this is the time of year where you got to get ready if you're going to be putting a pre emergent down because your cool season annual weeds are going to be germinating later on this month. So that's going to be, again, I'm going to list them Shepherd's Purse, Rabbit's Foot Clover, Persian Speedwell, Prickly Lettuce, Annual Bluegrass, Common Chickweed and henbit and dead nettle. And uh, those are ones that base, these are annuals. So in other words, they come up, you know, from seed, they list the last until the weather starts getting warm the following year. And then, you know, then they're trouble. I mean, they're problematic. So this is the time of year. Measure your square footage if you're planning on putting down a pre-emergent so you can get the right amount. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and a good gardening to you. Garden Hotline, tip of the trial, will be given out shortly or given us shortly. But right now, you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Speaking of that, somebody called during uh, the news hour mm-hmm. or news break, and uh, they said squash bug. That's probably what was getting the lady zucchini, giving her zucchini problems. But uh, Squash bug? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has, her zucchini were having problems. I didn't mention specifically what kind of bug it could be, mm-hmm. but a lady called in and said it's going to be squash bugs. So you want to squash them? Yeah, okay. exactly. Right. Makes sense. Or you can eat them the same time you're eating your squash. Ooh, well, protein. <laughs> That's true. 
you know? <laughs> but a uh, question for you. Sure. You know, there's living in the city and stuff and wherever you happen to live, mm-hmm. you go past buildings where you've seen and historically they were something long time ago or whatever, and now they've become something else. It's kind of amazing the way tr- buildings transition. Some don't transition at all, and other ones you know, kind of phase in and out of different generations of uh, whatever's popular. It's neat to see the old buildings repurposed. Right. And and when you see, like, and I like the ones that still have the old billboards kind of painted on them. Mm-hmm. You kind of can make them out a little bit. There was one down where I used to park at Lombard and 4th Street, not recommended, and uh <laughs> It, it had it was like an old bar from years and years, a billiard hall, I think. And so it was just cool to see the old painting. And then, you know, when you see those old buildings like that that are turned into bars and stuff and the rooftop and everything, right? That, that's what makes a city like St. Louis so great. We have such a great building stock. Absolutely. So. But sometimes seeing a building, you know, converted, even though it's an old one, to something else is a little bit sad. Yeah. The one I'm speaking of, historically, this was a velvet freeze. Oh, so yeah. So ice cream. Yeah. And now it's a nail store. Nails meaning you buy nails. You buy nails there? Yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From ice cream to nail polish. Can you go in and order like a strawberry parfait <laughs> nail polish? I bet you could. I guess you I could. I bet you could. Yeah, see, we got, a, we got an idea now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the custard stand into a... Nail polish where they sell yes, chocolate. You can't yeah. Custard's well, still yeah. Ted Drews is not open yet. But anyway. So anyway, thanks, Brian. Yes, folks, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs, all arounds for the annuals. How are your annuals doing? How about your bulbs? Oh man, some of the bulbs I've seen and uh, some of the annuals have been absolutely nothing but spectacular. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines. Or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strict, strictly offered to you to consider. Across the big board, that's James. He is producing today, so when you do call in, your first name and where you're calling from is really all he needs to know. Uh, during the week and on weekends as well, I do something called a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation. So, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email address and phone number are listed. And I'll come over to your home and share 40-plus years of experience as it relates to your individual homes, landscape design, the plants that are part of the design, and care and maintenance. And speaking of that, this past week on Wednesday, I was at a home out in Baldwin. It's a little bit further east than I grew up in Ellisville. I mean, like, whoa. But anyway, these people, they're kind of like, I guess, like Brian. I mean, they had so many different kinds of birds coming into their yard to their feeders. It was absolutely unbelievable. It was totally enjoyable. So, I mean, I get to, you know, I come to your home, I help you out, but also I get to see some really spectacular things. Now, sometimes it's not, you know, quite that spectacular, but it's always just enjoyable to share kind of what's going on with, you know, every individual's home and uh, that's kind of the people that spend a lot of time, like Brian does, you know, taking care of Mother Nature with the birds and everything else. The tip of the trial goes out to them today. I mean, it's just, it's really great. Like I say, I don't feed the birds. I used to when we first moved from Soulard to South City. But we've got these neighborhood cats that just drive me crazy. And when I fed the birds, then the cats were always hanging around underneath the shrubs and bushes and everything else. I finally, you know, kind of got to the point where 
you know, I sprayed him with water and everything else, and uh, I finally realized I was just going to have to stop feeding the birds. Now, this is birds on the ground. This is not hummingbird feeders, which would be up in the air, and the cats would still come and watch or sit there. But uh, consequently, you know, when they come over to your yard, a lot of times they go to the bathroom, they do this, they do that, and it's like, ugh. So I'm trying to minimize the amount of cat problems in my yard. So anyway, tip of the trial goes out to all the bird feeders. Greatly enjoy it. So let's have a couple calls before we take a break. Let's go to Joan, and she's in the city of St. Louis. Hi, Joan. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I planted some vincas this um, early summer, and they look healthy, but they're just lying on the ground. They're not upright. Whoa. Now we're talking about the annual vinca? Yeah, not the vinca vine. You're right. Then that means, I mean, there's some too much moisture or whatever. The the foliage still looks good even though they're laying down? Yeah, it's, it's real green and the flowers are real bright, but they're lying down and usually they're at least 12 inches high by now right exactly so what they're you know what's you know is happening with that stem that's a little bit unsure because usually if the stem has a collapse problem like you're kind of describing then the whole plant is headed downhill not just the stem structural i mean some of them have perished but uh, the majority of them are still healthy looking but like i said they're just Lying on the ground. Yeah, that's, I mean, very strange. I have no idea of what's causing that. Okay. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a weak stem like that with healthy foliage and healthy flowers, hmm, that's beyond my reality. Let's do another call. Let's go to Stanley's Yard in Afton. Hi, Stanley. Hello there. Hi. I, I want to talk to you about a couple of uh, blue spruce trees. Okay. Have, uh, <clears throat> the one is old, and uh, I've always fed the birds under it and hung the feeders on it and that. But anyway, it's been, for the last year or so, been kind of just dying from the bottom up, and uh, it really caught on this, uh, this summer as to dying faster and higher and and then about 25 um, feet away, I have another blue spruce that's a younger one, not young, but I'm at probably seven, eight years old, 10 maybe. Um, and it was real healthy and pretty and full. And, and uh, suddenly I noticed a couple of its branches at the bottom were starting to brown and, and die. And I, got, I looked real close underneath it and it had a lot of vines they were going up the trunk. So I got under there, which is hard to do on those blue spruce, <laughs> but I got under there and I've cleaned all the weeds out. Uh, and it's still, the both of them are just dying. The one is more than probably two-thirds of the way dead. Oh, and this uh, younger one is um, maybe one-fourth of the way up. That It's just dead branches. The tops still look good on the tip tops. Did you ever hear of that? Yes, it's called anthracnose. And so it has nothing to do with vines or anything else growing underneath them. It's a vascular disease that, you know, pines, Austrian pines, spruces, and, uh, you know, basically the needle evergreens. Anthracnose can get, you know, there's different kinds, but that's 
the way you're describing how it's dying exactly, you know, sounds exactly what anthracnose will do. So there's, I mean, there's nothing you could do. Once it gets it, it's in there, and they're just headed towards downhill and finally to being dead. So what I was afraid of, I mean, that's what it seems like. I didn't know how you could save them at this point. No, nothing. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Sure. And I'm speaking about anthracnose in relationship to some Austrian pines when I worked at the Botanical Garden. They got the anthracnose, and within one summer, they basically went from fairly healthy trees to gone. So anyway, anthracnose is a bad, bad, bad vascular in the vein type disease. So sorry, Stanley. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones. We're going, and Joe lives in St. Charles. Hi, Joe. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Hi. A uh, couple of questions here. I've got a series of uh, burning bushes on my back patio. However, one of the bushes, for an unknown reason, continues to grow this weed, long stem with broad leaves on it and spiky thorns on the stem. How can I eliminate that without damaging the burning bush? Basically, find out where it's coming up out of the ground. It's coming up right at the base of the uh, burning bush. Okay, what you can do then is just what you, I mean, so there's the, the stems that you're seeing is actually above the actual burning bush. Yes. So what you can do is go get Roundup for killing woody plants and then paint it, you know, straight onto the foliage of this this whatever that's growing up in the in the burning bush. The Roundup for killing, you got to get the one for killing woody plants. It'll go down through the vascular system, kill it all the way down into the ground, into the root system. Okay, and that won't damage the burning bush. No, but that's why I'm saying paint it onto the individual leaves of the thing you're trying to kill. Okay, okay. All right, I'll give that a shot. All right. And uh, did I understand you earlier to say that uh, this is a good time to start trimming trees back? Oak trees. Oak. Yeah, oak trees. You know, this Only is, the oak trees. Right. The oak trees, this is the time of year. Prior to this, oak wilt could be, I mean, it's out there. It could be, but once we hit the 1st of August, then it's the time where you can start pruning and then prune all the way through basically the winter time. I got it. Okay. And my final question has to do with, uh, in my mulch, periodically I see this kind of growth. It looks like uh, like marshmallows. So it's probably fungus. Are you rotating your, you're turning your compost pile over? No, I haven't been. Yeah, you should do that. That will help. Okay, very good. Okay, Mike, thank you very much for the inputs. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and speaking of that, this is a time of year, too, where you might start to see mushrooms coming up in your yard. And what those are, are the mushrooms grow on dead wood. So, in other words, there's probably dead root systems underneath the ground. That's what they're growing on. Uh, thanks, Joe. And now let's head, where should we go? To O'Fallon and to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I've got a uh, clump of redbud tree that's about seven years old. And yesterday I noticed a white-gray bumps on the branches. When you scratch the bumps, an oily substance comes out. And I've noticed that it's attracted a lot of 
wasps and bees. Any suggestions? Yeah, it's probably a, right, this time of year you can't do too much with it. If you wanted to, you can go to your favorite garden center and get a horticultural uh, lightweight summer oil. So in other words, it's a you have scale. And the scale, as they feed, you know, and then they go to the bathroom, that's what the wasps are coming for. So and as what you're trying to do is suffocate them. You could do that now, or you can wait until the foliage falls off your red bud and then get a regular dormant oil. And what that does, again, suffocate the scale. What about this neem oil extract? I've used it before on a, on a lindenwood tree in my front yard. Would that I'm neem not sh- oil extract? I'm not sure if it would or not, to be honest with you. You could read you know, on the label and see if it says it will you know, suffocate scale, but uh, some, a lot of the insecticides won't. But you could give it a, you know, I mean, like I say, read the label and see what it says about scale. Suffocate scale. Right. So in other words, the scale is the insect. So they, the oils, the dormant oil or the summer weight oils, they just they coat them over and then it suffocates them. Right, exactly. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's go to Ron's yard in South City. Hi, Ron. Yes, hi. Uh, thank you for having your program. I've got two problems. <clears throat> I've had some work done on the outside of my house, which required scaffolding ladders that were stored on my lawn, a section about three foot by ten foot. As it appears now, that grass is dead. Uh, and the, the equipment will be removed Monday. Is there something I can do now that would uh, rejuvenate or reactivate or redo the lawn? Uh, you could go out there and just kind of give it a heavy raking and then wait for another couple of weeks and then get some grass seed. Oh, okay. We'll try. Second problem is I've got vines. Very thin, very uh, limber that grow through the shrubs, up the uh, trellises, up the fences. Uh, You can pull them out, but is there anything else I can do to get rid of? Uh, Basically, like I was talking to the gentleman uh, trying to get rid of the weeds coming up in his burning bush. With this, you only need to use regular Roundup and just, you know, Get a piece of paper, put you know, pull the vines up off of whatever they're growing and twining up through if it's a plant material, and just paint Roundup onto the leaves. I got you. Okay, I will try both those. Great. Thank you so much. Sure, and probably that vine you're talking about is bindweed, and uh, it's ferocious. It's very fast growing, so it's an, just that's the best way to get rid of it. And now let's get another call in. Let's go to University City into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um... Yeah, I had a question about tomatoes. I have a cherry tomato plant, and it's doing great. It's real big. Um, it's in a container, but a big enough container. I've grown it like this, grown them like this every year, and the tomatoes are, you know, good size for cherry tomatoes. They turn green, and I got a bunch of them on the plant, but they're not turning red. Not and I, I brought some inside, thinking. Um, you know, it'd be to a cooler temperature because I heard they're supposed to do better at cooler temperatures, and they're not turning red. One turned red, and that was it. Wow, that's kind of surprising. That uh, I would just leave them on the plant. I wouldn't take them off and just you know, there's nothing. If they look healthy, and it sounds like you've got the nutrients, you know, correct as far as the soil goes, and there's, I mean, you know, to force them to get. Uh, 
let's say, to ripen up, um, I would say just leave them on the plant. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And okay. they've been fertilized a lot because I know tomatoes are heavy feeders. Right. And, um, somebody suggested putting lime in the soil. Uh, that's not necessarily true because, you know, if you don't know what the soil pH is of what you're growing them in, you, lime might cause more problems. So yeah, that's true. A, that's uh, true. I pretty much, actually, I use potting soil, and it's a big bucket is what right. it is. And I've been using um, miracle Grow, just potting soil. And I've had really good luck with them every year, same place. Right. You know, everything's gone great. Now, this was a plant that was... Um, gotten from another plant, you know, a big branch broke off, somebody oh. rooted it, and then they gave it to me. Well, that's, you know, that's fine, but, uh, you know, why they're not ripening up, just leave them alone. Okay, just leave them on the vine yep. and, yeah, and see what happens. Right. Now, if I did take some off later, would I take off, like, the whole bunch at once instead of individual tomatoes? Probably I would, but, uh, you know, it's kind of up to you. Okay, and have you ever heard they do better at cooler temperatures? Or no, yeah, <laughs> <I'm> not. <laughs> well, I'll give that a try. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, and yeah. thanks for the show. And sure. we'll just—I'll just leave them there and see what happens. Right. Best thing to do. Now let's go to Overland and in the James Yard. Hi, James. Hello. Hi. Uh, I've got zoysia grass, and I've been using twelve, twelve, twelve for years on it. Uh, what do you think of that? Not a good idea. Oh. Triple 12 is, you know, developed for a seasonal type thing. So, in other words, for agricultural crops. And right. if, your, if your zoysia looks healthy, then, you know, tell Mike Miller to shove it or whatever. But the last two numbers of phosphorus and potassium, they stay in the soil for multiple years. So, consequently, nitrogen goes up into the air after a few days. But those last two numbers of the triple 12, you could have extravagant levels of phosphorus and potassium, which can have an adverse impact on lots of different kinds of plants, lawn included. Okay. Now, what do you recommend for uh, zoysia? Probably what I would do is, since you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, I would get a soil test done to find out what there is there and then make the fertilizer you know, let's say purchases according to what is needed and what's not. Okay. Can you, I put these fertilizers down when the grass is wet? Yeah, that doesn't matter because, you you know, if they're granular-type fertilizers, you got to water them in anyway. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if it would burn the grass or not. No. Okay. I'll get a soil test. Yeah. And um, just, I mean, follow what is it says if, you know, get the fertilizer to match that. Right. See what's needed. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have lines open. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. We had a caller last hour about peony plants. And if you grow peonies, uh, you know that this is the time of year where they've already finished flowering. They're basically around Memorial Day. But uh, you're going to start seeing powdery mildew on the foliage and probably leave the foliage for a little bit longer, but then you can cut it off at ground level within the next couple weeks or so. So peonies, just they're going to get you know powdery mildew on the leaves. There's no getting around it. 
Let's go now to North City and see what's going on with Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Hi. I, I, I would like to talk about my tomatoes. I have beautiful tomatoes, but they're all busting all around the top. They have little splits all around them. And I wonder if it's a fungus. Uh, what can I do to stop them? This is the first bunch, so I want to know if I could do something for the next one's turn right. Yeah, basically what you need to do, are you using tomato food, specifically a fertilizer for tomatoes? No, I didn't. Yeah, no. you should because it's got a couple nutrients that prevent this from happening. So it's they got calcium in it and a couple other things. So get, you know, tomato food and start fertilizing with tomatoes. Okay. Tomato food. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, the calcium means a lot. Blossom and rot, it can stop the splitting or the cat. I forget what they call that, cat's face or something like that. But, uh, yeah, get the fertilizer for tomatoes specifically. Let's go to Norma's yard now, and she lives in Garden Prairie. Good morning. Hi. It's Darden Prairie with a oh. D. Oh, Darden um, Prairie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got a roughly 2-foot by 20-foot area along the side of the house where we want to plant something. Uh, this area gets afternoon and early evening sun. Uh, we're thinking about Russian sage, uh, but we were wondering what, you think is it, whether that's a good idea or not, um, and if not, if you have any suggestions. Uh, we're, we're elderly and would like something with minimal care, uh, hopefully a little color, and definitely a perennial. Yeah, I mean, Russian sage would work out fine, so there's nothing good, wrong with that. Good. You might want to mix in a couple members of the sunflower family, too, like black-eyed okay. Susans or a purple coneflower, things along that line. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep, and they all want to have pretty much the same care, and so you make it a little easier. And now let's go from Norma's yard. Where should we head? Down to Festus and Jan. Hi, Jan. Hi, good morning, Mike, and thank you so much for your show. I totally enjoy it. But And I've had roses for years, but this was the first time I'd ever planted a rose in a pot, and it's a very large pot. The rose has just it's just beautiful, mm -hmm. and it's a trailing rose. I was wondering, do I have to take any extra precautions for the winter? If I'm, I plan on leaving it in the pot. Right. Uh, do I have to do anything, mulch it? or? Uh, for the most part, you shouldn't. Maybe pull it up closer to the house or to a structure or something like that, making sure it's not underneath the eaves so when it does rain or whatever, Moisture will get you know onto the end of the potting mix that it's growing in, but uh, they're pretty tough and durable. Uh, that's not to say you it'll survive if we have a severe winter, but uh, you shouldn't have to do a whole lot. Okay, I, I was wondering, and then one more thing about roses. I know this one bush has rose rosette. Ooh. <laughs> And I, I know probably know what your answer is going to be, but is there anything in the world I can do? I've been cutting off those strange-looking growths on it, and I've been trying to keep those off of it, and I spray it. Is there anything I can do to save it? No. I've, no? No. <laughs> Basically, okay. and the problem is that it's spider mites that cause the rose rosette. So, in other words, an insect. And it blows from plant to plant. So you could infect, you know, 
the other plants by keeping this thing around because the spider mites from this one that's you know that are infected with the the rose rosette disease could blow over to your other roses. Well, it's happened because oh. I lost one last year. Oh, so and um, so I had two back here in the back, and um, so there's absolutely nothing else I can do then. Not really. I mean, once okay. it's there, they're there. The spider mites, I mean, the, the arch grounds had to get there. They decided to get rid of all the roses because they started to see some rose rosette on some of the roses. And they had them in various parts of various places across the, you know, the arch grounds. But consequently, you know, they just decided to get rid of all of them. So, I mean, even putting miticides down, you're not going to get rid of them. Okay. All right. Well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm sorry. But if you get rid of the roses that you have, that doesn't you you don't have to worry about future roses because the spider mites that have the rose rosette disease in them, they're they're going to be gone when the roses are gone. So that doesn't okay. mean that you can't put new roses back in next year. Okay, but in the same spot, does it matter if you put no, them in the same No, it does not matter. It won't hurt. Okay. Okay. Okay, well thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to Ooh, Pocahontas, Illinois. LaVon, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you for your program. The lawn care ran over my miniature rose. Can I feed it besides praying over it? Uh, <laughs> will that help it? <laughs> uh, that's not good. So is it is it flattened out or is it, you know, I mean, running? Well, there there's some left, but um, I'm just... It was from my son, and he's since expired, and I'm just just really upset about it. Oh, uh, there's not really a whole lot you can do. Uh, you know, this we're getting towards late. You know, late in the season, I just kind of leave it alone, and like you say, keep your fingers crossed, pray over it, and see what's going to happen. Don't fertilize it then. Definitely not. If it's wounded, you know, it's like anybody, people wise, pet wise, anything. When you're not in great shape, feeding is not the best thing to do. What about my pine trees? I got 30 or 40 foot high pine trees and I live in a woods, but should I have them topped uh, so that top doesn't spin off in storms? No. No. Yeah, don't. Uh, topping pine trees is not a good thing to do. Oh. Oh. So just enjoy, okay. you know, enjoy them. The top of them is not going to snap off. You know, they they can handle the situation, you know, so I would say just leave them alone. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy your program. Well, thanks for calling from Pocahontas. And now let's go to Hillsboro and into Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Good morning. Um, I have some, uh, well, I had uh, beautiful a beautiful hostess around uh, the back of my house, and it was all shady. It was one of those big blue ones. And I have a really pretty um, yellow one in the front, but now due to the fact that we had a dead tree, they're now in the blazing sun. Mm. So I need to move them, and I'm trying to figure out, is it best to move them like now, uh, prior to spring, or when's the best time to move a hostess? Basically not now. Wait for another couple of weeks. Wait until we get into September. Then you can move them. You got all the way from, let's say, early September till mid-October. Get them moved during that time period. Okay. I was worried. I, I thought they'd probably need time to settle and reroute before winter, but 
Yeah, I, so, I didn't know for sure. Okay, yeah, the, the ground is warm, so if you move them earlier in September, then they hosts are pretty tough anyway. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate the information. Thank you. Sure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we are heading towards Chesterfield and Vicky's yard. Hi, Vicky. I have uh, an oak leaf uh, hydrangea, mm-hmm. and um, when can I uh, take the uh, dead blooms off? Basically, whenever they start dysfunctioning as far as color goes. Oh, it, it's completely white. Oh, then leave it alone because those are, I mean, that's at its peak. So, no, so I, mean, I mean, it originally white. Now it's all, now the, the blooms are all brown. Oh, you can cut those off. Okay. And is there such a thing as wild petunias? Wild petunias. Not that I know of. Well, uh, I've got these purple, like, well, they look like petunias, and, and they just keep on coming all over the place. And I've, I thought, well, maybe there is a wild petunia. I'm sure there is, but I don't know of it myself. Oh, well, I mean, I, I'd like to just get rid of them. I mean, they're, they're neat once in a while, but once in a while they're pain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So you're sure they're petunias and not violets? No, they're not violets. Okay. So do you have the ability to send a picture? Oh, I can send a picture. Yeah, yeah. send a picture to my email. Let me take a look at it. Okay, shall do. All right, great. Thanks. Thank you. And now let's go to Kathy, and she lives in Holiday Shores. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for your show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Mike, I'd like to fertilize my perennials again, but I know they need to harden off before winter. I forget what the cutoff date is for fertilizing them. Can you tell me that, please? We're pretty much at that point, so you want to get them fertilized before we you know, get too far into the month of August. Okay, great. All right, thanks so much. Sure. And next year, maybe fertilize May, June, July, as opposed to okay. fertilizing in August. Okay, thank you. Sure. And now let's go to Rosewood Heights, and that's where Dan lives. Hi, Dan. Good morning, sir, and thank you for your service. My pleasure. uh, I've been having trouble the last few years with my Japanese maple, the leaves turning uh, a light brown from a dark purple. And I was wondering, I've been using cedar mulch uh, around the bottom of the tree. Could that have possibly be affecting the leaf uh, dying? No, that shouldn't be. I mean, that that's going to make the soil acidic, you know, as, a, as, a, as that mulch breaks down. But that shouldn't be a problem because the Japanese maple is like an acidic soil. So this is more related to the actual structural part of the root system. How old is this particular tree? Uh, it's beyond 10 years. Yeah. So it may be an age factor because this is the one that has the really skinny leaves, right? Yes, it's yes, it does. They're pretty small, right? They're like so star, star, star shaped, right? Leaves. Exactly. So it's just it may be age, it may be the the root system's not adequate to get you know to keep them with the moisture. And is it in is it in the shade or is it in sun? All sun. Yeah. So that's probably the factor too. Okay. They don't like a lot of sun. Now, well, they generally don't. They'll do better if they're in a circumstance where they're not getting the really intense sun in, in midday. Well, that's the 
exactly what they're getting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like you, you going outside with your shirt off and getting sunburnt. That's what they're doing. I got you. Okay, maybe I put a canopy over them, huh? Exactly. Build a tent. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now Joyce lives in Normandy. Hi, Joyce. Good morning. Thanks for your show. Okay, so I have this coronavirus uh, project <laughs> trying to grow tomatoes, and uh, I think they're getting too much shade. So what's my remedy? Basically, tomatoes like to be in full sun all day long, every day. They like a good deal of moisture. They don't want to go through any kind of drought stress, and they like to be fed with tomato food. But the sun is very, very, very important. So is it too late? Is it? Can I dig them up and transport them? No. <laughs> okay. So leave, leave them where they are. Exactly. And then and just then next just, year plan on putting them in a spot where they're going to have full sun all day long. Yeah, that, that was pretty much my my, uh, my end game. Right. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, thank you. Sure. And uh, Penny from Barnhart, could you do it quickly? Hi. Um, your show is great. So I just have a quick question. We had an oak tree that we trimmed the le- the branches off a couple years ago, and now all those branches that we trimmed are dead. Were we supposed to trim those at the trunk? Yes. That's the worst thing you can do is to stub them back. So, in other words... So, all, all those branches that are hanging down dead, should I get somebody in there to cut them all the way up to the trunk? Yeah, you should get them just removed because it could be problematic, you know... Just, you know, yeah, not only from just an aesthetic standpoint, from the overall health of the tree. But definitely, you know, longer branches should be cut off a third with the last cut leaving about a quarter inch or a half inch stub so the cambium layer can heal that spot. So when you just leave a stub, a couple foot stub or whatever it happens to be, the cambium layer has a very difficult time to make this scab over this spot. Okay, so when should I have somebody come cut all those up? Anytime or should I wait till the fall? No, no, you can do it now. Okay, so I'll just have a tree trimmer come in and, and cut those all back. Right. To the Definitely. Main you just don't want to do it in the spring or early summer, but from August 1st, you can do all any kind of work on your oak trees that you want to. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Sure. And, uh, folks, I think that's about it for today. So, Kathy, Sue, and Barb. Uh, hopefully I'll be back next week, but who knows? And uh, if this has been a very, very wild year, not only just from a psychological standpoint, but for the landscape as well. I mean, that springtime was, I mean, really super, super wet. June was super dry. And then July was the fourth wettest July in history for this region. So there's just so many crazy things going on. That's kind of what the fun of the outdoors and growing plant material is. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Enjoy, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.